guess I need to transcribe anything. Is it gonna work? Come on. Ah, uh, iPhone's coming on. Really? iPhone. Oh boy. <laughs> oh man, this is primitive. Hey. Hey, oh, hallelujah. There you go. I hear him. On? There he is. Yeah. Xander, look at you, handsome. <laughs> Are you in Maine? I don't see him on my screen. Come on, you. No. Yeah, I'm in Maine. I'm in my daughter's room in Maine uh, on my cell phone because I never got the email on either of my two computers that I have sitting here. Well, you're, you're certainly no, showing proof. We'll go into that. There it is. Now, when I see you, uh, maybe I have to change the, uh, I want to see everybody. That's what, I'm not doing it right. Participants. Oh, uh, Right-hand yeah. switch. I got to switch to gallery view. There we are. All right, there we go. Okay. Gallery view, yeah, because I want to see Will, too. I was just excited to see just you for a second, Kurt. Um, where's the gallery <laughs> on the stand? Cell phone. Everything's so small, I can't. Ah. <laughs> Xander, are you happy that you're in Maine? <laughs> I'm extremely happy you are. that I'm in Maine. Uh, now, it's just showing me who the participants are. I already knew that. Um, I can't find the gallery thing. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be in L.A. Uh, in a week, though, um, for two overlapping jobs there. So any, you know, longing, uh, nostalgic uh, right. you know, will be fulfilled while I'm there. Uh -oh. And uh, as many of my friends because I'll be there over a period of time, so that'll be fun. But I've been so happy. It's like coming on four years in June that we came here. And yeah. We feel like the cat that ate the canary and that we just kind of got out in the nick of time. I understand. And you don't feel like you're isolated or maybe we should be talking about this on the interview thing, but I don't know. Yeah. Aren't we going live now, Will? We're effect well, I'm recording it, so I mean, we're not okay. live. But I, am in, I am in New York now but are uh, you a native new yorker no no i'm doing a, i i'm on i'm doing my the third season of the show evil that's on evil. paramount bus perfect yeah so evil what, no no i'm not the show. evil one xander how dare you well we'll sell season three goes okay <laughs> so what are they is he what, cutting what out for you for? what Am I cutting out? I was asking yeah. what you were playing on Evil. Oh, I play a therapist. That's why I have That's a beard. Good. Yeah, Glasses. of course. I, I'm about to have to lose mine because I'm playing. Uh, I, I don't think I can reveal either of the two things I'm about to play. Until <laughs> really? I'm playing them. Hey, Will. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's kind of like one is major Todd's secret. The other is okay. they're just about to make an announcement. They want to. Well, um, good for hey, you, uh, Will. Yes. Will, yeah. Yeah. I got a bunch of movies coming out. So I didn't entirely leave the business, although they, they did slap my wrist a little bit for having the, the arrogance and presumption to leave L.A. I still well, think please. I could keep working. Um, you know, uh, if you could just send the email again, uh, Will, because I feel like I am going to cut out on, on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are you on Wi-Fi or do they have Wi-Fi in Maine or... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm 
you know, I'll, I'll show you again where I am. It's a rainy day today, but you know, it, it is a remote location. Yeah. It's out and see which window, which of my daughter's windows works, but right out there is the, uh, the, the, the well, sort of the great Atlantic. It's, um, it's the bay oh, the power plant. Oh, look at you. Oh, and is that, is that water out there? Yeah, that's water. That's all Casco Bay. And, oh my God! And then out into the Atlantic. Wow. And you don't in feel this, you don't. You think, know, we live in a house. But there's no coffee shop nearby. <laughs> well, I just—it's funny you should say—I just yesterday um, finally got one of those fancy Italian. Oh, did you? So you make your thing, yeah. And and uh, so who needs a coffee shop? <laughs> I got my own. No, and um, I don't go either, but. And Portland, trendy Portland. Oh, now this showed up. Trendy Portland has more coffee shops than you can shake a stick at, and it's fifteen minutes away. So for me, that's like going to yeah, not even as far from Beachwood as going to, uh, you know, um, Silver Lake or something. Sure, and your kids must love it. They do. We really got out in the nick of time. Oh, look, I've got two links. I'm going to get this going on both my computers. Yeah. <laughs> I think this was <laughs> a, I this a one, pumpkin sort of thing around noon. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to do this all day. My, the thing, what I'm doing is not top secret, but I'm not going to tell you anything. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you got to maintain. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm joining with video here, and I'm closing this one. Okay, here. I got uh, it. My, my old computer has a... I didn't use Windex on my old computer screen. Don't ever You're use Windex. You're not supposed to use Windex on the stuff. On your computer. No. That's how little I know. <laughs> I thought, you know, it's glass. It's glass. You just Windex. Okay, so it says you're ruining your computer. Your mic. There. Oh, it's so much better, yes. Leaving okay. this. Leaving this. Okay. How do I how leave, do I leave How do I leave it politely? Yeah. Just push leave meeting. <laughs> it sounds so easy when you say it. There you are. There you are. It's much uh, better, yes, Xander. Sir. Yes, definitely. I should you are, and Will oh, is your sideways? I can turn mine. Uh, if I turn mine sideways. Perfect. You, is that better? Oh, <laughs> uh, you're completely sideways. Great. Good. Good okay. Word. All right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, it's slimming. This, okay. this yeah. Movie. <laughs> well, it's so good to see uh, you, Will, but Xander, I haven't spoken to in ages. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. I, I, uh, I, I can't believe. It's like, it's, it's weird. Um, when you move as far away from Los Angeles as, as you physically can and still stay in the United States, people feel like you've just abandoned them. And <laughs> they say, well, and so much for you. <laughs> now, have you found that the people that you were in touch with all the time in LA, you were not so in touch with them or? Yeah, because I'm not throwing parties anymore. I'm not oh. throwing dinner parties and stuff. So they just like, boom. Really? No, no. well, I, I kid on no. the level there. My closest friends I stay in touch with. Right. Um, but even at weird intervals that like, it, it, it's as if this was harder when you're further away. Mm. Yeah, right. Huh. <laughs> you know, and, it's just one of those things. And did your agents tell you not to do it? 
my agents, Kurt, I'll, I'll be honest, because they dropped me when I moved because I was no what? longer because I was no longer interested in doing TV series like where I would commit to right. six, seven years. Um, and that's where they made the money. And, and, uh, and that's where I was stranded away from my children while they were. And I had children too late in the game, Kurt. I, I, didn't, I didn't have the back end deal that, that others who had kids right. reasonable time do. I got to put my time in now. So this was like a conspiracy on many fronts for, for my wife and myself to escape LA, to live on the bay, uh, out of the way of traffic and smog right. and, and other things. And didn't you make a whole bunch of money for them from Walking Dead and stuff? Well, yeah. Well, that's one of those other sort of touchy. You would think you'd make a lot of money on the Walking Dead unless you. Well, I know that I know they have a cap on what they pay. Yeah, and it's like a cap for a very short person. It's it's the cap is down here. I know. Um, and uh, and then it doesn't expand, Uh, and and then right when it's about to expand, they 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 kill you off. Yeah. When you're about to start making it. Um, well, I worry about getting killed on this show every episode. So, <laughs> as you, know. you should, having been a regular viewer of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, but how great three years in New York City. That's got to be like, that's the. Well, the- I do. Yeah. I mean, I go back to LA when we're not, you know, we're making 10, 10 a year. So. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not the way it used to be. With it's where you, not. You can't get rich, but you you won't get poor. Right, and and you won't get isolated from your family for a ridiculous right. amount of time. Correct. And you know, the thing is, when they own you, this is like sharing with the audience at large. When you th- there's a lot about the business that that is not family friendly, particularly because oh. they will send you anywhere for, and if you sign away any amount of time then they own you. And even if you're not working that weekend, well, we might do something with second unit. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. Or like if it's, you're the weather cover, which is where you're not being used this day, but if it rains, you are, so you can't go anywhere. Yeah. Kind of- yeah. It, it, it's these are, these are complaints that, you know, <laughs> I sure hope no non-working actors are watching. Yes, I know. I mean, this is, this is the kind of thing I absolutely just, Spies and other people. They're working, they're making a lot of money and they're complaining. I'm not, believe me, these are tiny complaints. It just, we're just too, we're just talking quality of life. We're grateful yeah. as hell. We're parsing my nation, Lord. Yes. I never asked for anything. I, I just, I'm just grateful, grateful at my age, and I'm sure you are at your age. Yeah. To be working, it's age. almost impossible. So, but you yeah, know, but isn't there uh, isn't there a plethora of content now in a way that there wasn't when we were younger? Oh yeah, I mean, there's like 450 things shooting or something. I don't That's know what, what the number I'd is. I have to not be a very good actor to not be working right now. Well, right? I didn't say that. Well, <laughs> I've gone through periods of no work, and and I can confirm that that's why. So. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because a lot of the things that are out there, you can't really earn a living doing. Because, no. You know, That's so right. you might as well do theater and, and have a direct contact with the audience. God, wasn't that play fun? Wasn't doing that play together fun? Oh, Kurt? it really I was. just going to say, that's a perfect tie. And it was the grand illusion. Uh, right? Oh, my God. And I have to say, Xander is, Xander, and I mean this, this is not, believe me, I'm sort of, 
a performer slash businessman in that <laughs> I don't have, I wasn't born an actor. I wasn't born an artist. Xander was born an artist, a Renaissance man. I mean, I mean, I've always been, and especially when this play was extremely, uh, and, and this is not, not bullshit at all, jealous of his, of his innate talent that, that uh, he even, you know, you're a painting of me. He did a painting of me. I played Kaiser Wilhelm and he did a painting of me, sort of an expressionist painting that is hanging in my office. And, and, uh, which I was, was hanging there. on the set in your, in, in yeah, the it was in the set, was on the set. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's now in my office. And it's like, what? What? <laughs> this is absurd. And then he's going to Maine and he's, and he's building a little theater in his barn, I'll bet. And, you know, he's got a workspace and he wants, you know, it's sort of like, you know, a new age uh, artist retreat. Uh, and coming it's, a glass it's, blower. It's you. For... It, what? <laughs> said, Am I I'm right? Coming a glass blower. It's, <laughs> okay. Uh, no. no. Um, but you know, it's funny that that barn. Uh, we we got the farm first. That was what we we got that eight years ago, and uh, wild fluke how we ended up here. Um, it's about an hour away from where we live now. There's here. They've the kids are in school here, and part of our conspiracy to get out of LA was to get the girls out before they turned into teenagers. Absolutely, and. And because Sarah was never in love with L.A., she was, you know, from the West, but she was working in New York when she got 24. And that's where we met. And she moved out because the show was there and I was there and, mm -hmm. and we got together. And, and uh, then but she was it was always in the back of her mind of like how to get out of L.A. and where do we live? And we worked for three years in Toronto where you know, right when our second child was born. And that was kind of perfect because she had a gig lined up. She was doing the Twilight franchise and she oh. got to travel away with the baby and come back. And I got to work at a, a great schedule. And we just fell in love with the East Coast again, mm -hmm. you know, coming back and having four seasons. And it's so much a part of the mythology when you're My wife loves it too. My wife is here now because she loves the winter in New York. Oh, great. I'm so glad yeah. she'll be there with you. Yeah. I, yeah. I, winter too and and so it's been uh, to me it's like i feel like i i left at 22 i left new york and and arrived in los angeles and then 40 the, have you ever heard the uh the great old uh what Groucho marx apparently was the one that said los angeles is the only place where you can leave when you're a kid and next thing you know you you're 90 years old by the pool wondering what the hell happened yes <laughs> because right. there's no way to mark time there right something about the seasons that it just like being back in the seasons, I feel like I've returned to the kid That's I was at 22 and I, and mm -hmm. I'm still in love with, I love looking at snowfall and I love right. the leaves turn and I love just the feel in the air. And, and yeah, it's cold and I'm ready. Uh, this mud season, a little to skip a little of that and come back to LA yeah. in April. Nice. So <laughs> but LA every day is the same. Every day is this, again, these are complaints that are going to piss people off. But, you know. Yeah, yeah but, no, but they're legitimate. They're absolutely legitimate because it's it's not an obvious, it's a nuanced thing. The seasons are there, but they're very nuanced. And the, yes. the, 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 the sense of paradise is there, but underneath it, there's an insidious sort of sameness that, that can really make you feel like they're, like I say, you, you have no way to mark time and, and, 
there's something that nothing comes without friction and there's something that comes mm -hmm. out of just having something to struggle against a little bit. And, and I've really felt reawakened in a lot of ways just by being back East, being up here in Maine. And we're not just building a theater in that barn. I won't go into the long story about the farm, but it's a big old dairy barn and it's going to be a soundstage. And the, the project uh -huh. I'm coming to work on in LA, I'm going to get tremendous insights in how to do the LEDs, the LED, not LED, but the LED screen projections. Oh, and, because we and did, all that stuff. we should bring up the other thing we did that you directed, uh, that yeah. was, and you shot it. We did this yeah, we sort shot of improvisational it. theater piece that we worked on and then invited oh, people. Hmm? We, we rehearsed that. That was a very long week, but it was just one week. And yes. that we got together, yeah. made it up and presented it in front of an audience and filmed it. And, and but it would have taken and it's taken a lot more than one week for the editors, friends of yeah, mine. I, I would think it's still not done, right? Still not done. Yeah. <laughs> but someday it will be and to be really I think the timing will be perfect. I would love to. See, I want to see it. Hey, you could know? you just tell the story of, you know, you said you you weren't born an artist and everything, but can you tell Will and, and the, whoever's watching the story that I just, I want to hear again of how it came out of one of the improvisations, then it worked, it was in the play about that moment in fifth grade or something when- Sixth grade. No, just fifth, fourth grade. Fifth, My teacher fourth, was fourth. Mrs. K. And I was, uh, I, I, our family, we're not a military family, but my father worked for the Bank of America and the Bank of America, when you were coming up, would uh, every three years you would get transferred. And if you said no, you never got promoted again. So we just every three years we moved. And I lived in Grapes of Wrath country most of my childhood, which is the San Joaquin Valley. Uh, and I was at a school in Paso Robles. I just it was my first day of school in fourth grade. And. I was always very, very shy and insecure, especially coming into a new school, all the kids know each other. And I went to the bathroom before school started and some kids were yelling in there. I didn't know them. I didn't, I didn't yell, I didn't. Uh, so I left. I go my first, my first day, my fourth grade class, Mrs. K, my teacher, uh, goes, we have a new student, Kurt Fuller. She goes, Kurt, would you come up here, please? I'm like, what the fuck is it? Excuse my language. What is this? <laughs> come up for what? And she goes, Kurt, were you yelling in the bathroom? this morning, my first day of school. Okay? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And at the time, because of all this stuff, when I had a nervous tick where I would, when I got nervous, I would go like this, just to sort of stretch my eyes, hideous. I go like that. Uh, and so she said, <laughs> I can see you as a kid. Fourth dude. grade, let me just reframe it. First day of school. Goes, were you yelling in the bathroom and i went no and she goes don't roll your eyes at me and slaps me across the face in front of a whole class 
I go back, I don't say anything. I'm humiliated. I go home, I tell my parents. I think my mother comes and she, whatever she did, she's never told me, but it was, <laughs> it was not pretty. And Mrs. K said that she, her son was alcoholic and her husband had left her and she was having all sorts of problems, which I don't care about to this yeah, day. That has nothing to do with you. <laughs> you know, guess what? Guess what? I had problems too. <laughs> but as I entered the class, as I walked up to the door of the fourth grade, my room, I was petrified to go in because I'd been slapped in front of everybody the day before. And as, as I was there, I was thinking, how am I going to go in? What am I going to do? And I went, boom, inside, went, hey, everybody. And I had transformed into this outgoing, everything's fine. Hey, how you doing? Mother? Mr. Wonderful, I'm so comfortable with myself. Nothing happened yesterday. And it literally changed, not organically, but out of self-preservation, the way I interacted with that society. And it stayed with me because then I was really tall and really skinny and I got picked on, you know, whatever. But it was the way I handled myself. It was the way I survived was by being what I was not extremely that, I, I, that's called acting that's called acting thank you <laughs> and it really affected just it just it became part of me but well, it was really became an actor at that moment i became an actor but it was, it was added on, on you you know yeah if i go to a party now and i don't know anybody i stand in the corner i'm not hey how you doing hi hey, you doing? i i am i am you the next know. time you go to a party kurt will you try that <laughs> and just That's report the with the party, Xander. <laughs> but that's the story. Uh, what do you make of that, Will? I think that's fantastic. Well, you know, and we you know, do what we can. And and uh, and and it, but I think it's such a, a great thing to share with people that might be watching that never, you know, thought, oh my god, I, I could never. Like I actually remember doing an interview because I was uh, playing um, a chief of police. And I interviewed uh, the chief of police in Los Angeles at the time. Mm. And he, he, I can't remember his name, but what a cool guy. And he, he's telling me his stories and he's like, oh yeah, I was undercover with the, with the, with the Black Panthers in the 1960s. And I said, you were, how, that, that sounds dangerous. Um, and, and he's, well, yeah, because I mean, if they, if they, catch on i mean that's uh, they catch on that i'm not uh well then they're gonna kill me and uh, the police it's a lot of times the police they didn't know i was undercover so they might have killed me and i and i and, and, and it's, it's, he's telling these stories and i'm like oh my god you know that the degree of acting that you would have to do mm -hmm. to pass mm -hmm. in that crowd with that kind of tension mm -hmm. we've seen some of the films that have sort of indicated there was one thing that i saw that sort of told a story very much like his, but different. And uh, just like one hiccup in your acting. You don't get another take. No. You don't get to live anymore. Yes. And those stakes are so high. And that, but he, and this guy says, yeah, but what you do, I, I, I couldn't do that. I shit myself. Ah, it's a, 
I go, what? We don't get killed. We get another no. week. <laughs> I, you know, I don't act with a gun to my head, you know? I mean, <laughs> I know. But so, I mean, that people think sometimes that this is like some, it's, it's hard and there's a lot of pressure on you and wow. you got to perform in front of people, uh, you know, and all that. But uh, it's not, well, I mean, we, that would be a whole other conversation when acting is actually life and death and how many times i don't know about you but a lot of the characters i played get killed <laughs> oh yes you mean the paycheck stop yes you know well the the well they get killed not just the paychecks going but that they always save your your death scene for the last day you're shooting and it took right. me years to realize that that wasn't just a coincidence no exactly <laughs> Because exactly there's right. a dangerous yeah. stunt involved in, in yes. your demise, invariably. Absolutely. And there isn't the same kind of attention on it necessarily that there would be on, you know, the star of the movie and the big... Because no, if you die, they've got the shot. They got it. You're and in the camp. They don't need you anymore. And that's a wrap, Bonjour. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, no, it's true. There are serious dangers. Yeah, there are. There are some things. Our willingness to please, because that's kind of characteristic of a lot of actors that, you know, maybe that aren't just superstars that are just like trying to stay in the game. Like, I think that augments our natural tendency to want to please others. Yep. Um, Absolutely. We know it's a competitive field, but we're very fortunate to to be working in it. It's a competitive field, and we're not the only ones who can do it. Yeah, you know? and we're not the only ones who want to do it that look like, you know... That and we're not the only, you know, and there's a, so many good people who aren't working at all, and they're just yeah. as good, if not better. I mean, it's yeah, true. I know, I made that crack earlier. I wasn't serious, and I feel bad for those people. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but we got to make up for it. You a real loser if you're not working. Well, that was you, Xander. That wasn't me. <laughs> My God. We've insulted just about everybody in 10 minutes. I mean, honestly. There isn't... There isn't uh, uh, there isn't an insulting rock we haven't ever seen. <laughs> this is horrible. This is, this is horrible. everything you're not supposed to do. I know and that, Will hasn't, he's just been sitting there listening. He hasn't even made us do this. No, I he know. He hasn't led us to this. We've been doing it all on our own. Oh, like you you guys God. have both talked to me in the past. You know that I don't have to do anything. You guys are going to get yourself <laughs> in all the trouble that, that you need to get into. Yeah. No, it's for some reason there's a, you know, some it's, sometimes I just feel like there's a whole... A sea of frogs that are just waiting to leap out of my mouth yeah. And, yeah. and maybe you finally reach the age where you could apropos the very thing we're always trying to please everybody i was obviously kidding my fellow brethren of actors and acting because i know believe me we've all gone without work and uh it uh, we had to believe in our heart of hearts it wasn't because we weren't good actors it was because you know it's a it's a game of chance and the numbers and it's it's random and when suddenly you're on a roll and when you're not and Ish, ish. you know and the, the, yeah well i've always said that when you're on a roll there is nothing you can do that will not get that will blow the job for you it doesn't matter what you do you're on a roll when you're not on a roll it doesn't matter how good you are it doesn't matter how you're not going to get the part you're not going to get it and i don't never have understood why some of my best auditions have been jobs i didn't get there, uh, I suddenly remembered something that's that's too inappropriate to say. So I'm going to move oh, on. Well, that hasn't stopped so, you yet. Apropos that, how that relates to another uh, aspect of life. Um, that uh, that a, 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 a comedy writer one time said, it "wasn't my it wasn't my inappropriate thought." 
It was just <laughs> remembering his. And he was actually mm-hmm. in the show, Ron Zimmerman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he referred to it in, some, in a way that I'll have to tell you later. Um, oh. uh, and, and, and it's when you have that, that certain uh, smell about you that uh, seems that you're in, in, in the thrust of things in life. And then others want to be amongst that. But it's very, when you haven't been and that's cut off and you no longer have that je ne sais quoi, it's like you, you know, I remember, this is something I I may have talked to Will about at one point. I know some interviews have asked me, uh, did you have anything when when you felt the odds were so oppressively against you and when you had nerves in the beginning? I've always been curious to talk to you if you had some mental sort of it's just a channel that you switch to in order to get that artificially to get that aura about you and um i i distilled it down to a term calculated nonchalance because something that that would take away the animal stink of desperation yes which will kill you in show business bang dead you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's all they need to see. You're not going to get the parts because they're desperate. <laughs> yeah, they're desperate. They don't want somebody more desperate than them. And they're repulsed by your desperation. Yes. Yeah. And and they what with this? So the calculated nonchalance was something that was designed to change one's body's chemistry, so that one put others at ease with mm-hmm. the thought, you know what? You, I understand. You guys are under pressure. You got to get this part cast. You know, there's a ticking clock. It's a lot of money. You're going to be held on the line and you're going to be responsible if you don't get this thing taken care of. So you'd be doing yourselves uh, and everyone else a, 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 a good, you'd be doing yourselves a favor if you just cut the, the waste of time and just go with this guy. Because Correct. I've got you, all go, you go have lunch. Yeah. That's right. You know, I, uh, I am this guy. I was, I just I was friends with uh, Meg Ryan when she was at her America Sweetheart sweetheartedness yeah and watching wild side just last night oh my god yes i saw that (laughs) yeah and that's where i met her we did this show years ago that should not even be mentioned but called wild side and uh and that was right before she got top gun and all that stuff and she said to me what i do before i go in an audition i'm nervous but i decide i don't like any of these people I go in and I, I just feel disdain for them. I just want to do my thing and leave. And I don't do one thing to curry favor, nothing. And I thought, hmm, but doesn't your disdain show? I mean, that's not so good either. But it certainly worked for her for quite a long it, time. It, it offsets that which they've just seen a dozen in a row yes. of. In the way Talk of about like, oh, please. it's so nice yeah. to meet ah. you. Oh my God, I'm so I love this. Pro- this what a great plant that is over here. I know. Oh, I love the script. I love it. I love the script. <laughs> I, when I first came, when I one of my first auditions, there was an older actor, and they they he had a hat on, and they called him in, and as the door opened, this is the first thing he said, "Hat on, hat off, whichever way you want it," and I thought. I am never <laughs> going to be that guy because that oh was my God. Even I knew then. Hat on, hat off. <laughs> I mean, 
I thought yeah, but that's okay. so funny because that's two things come up for me is like I, I I refer to when I just got to the point part of leaving LA is also suddenly there's like a new wave of 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 insecurity among everybody out there that they wanted to see every actor read every part, even oh. if you'd done a million fucking things before yes. and you'd proved what you could do in a, in a variety of different characters. And, and, uh, and they were young and somehow either they hadn't seen those things or they hadn't taken yeah. two minutes out of their day to look at a little clip of those yeah. things. And they wanted you to memorize 12 pages of dialogue. Yes read the script a couple of times because that's what you do in order to think do. about it for hours. Yeah. Hours and hours and hours and, and work on it, memorize and get it all down and then drive over it and then come in with like, like the hat and the cane. And you know, as like, you get older, it gets to be, this is something that an adult doesn't do. You just don't do that. Yeah. You just don't do it. It's you just don't jump through those recurrence things. because invariably you're just the insurance policy on somebody who has a little bit of self-respect and self-esteem yes. that wouldn't de deign to come yeah. in and, and you know, read for the thing. And but you know- most, Go ahead. No, you. Well, it's just, most of the time I find, you know, they, I've always been, you know, years they go, eh, they love it when you say no. They love it when you say no, you know? So I have, you know, gone through, I don't read so much anymore, to be honest, uh, yeah. but then I don't get offered much either. But- yeah. Uh, when I have said, no, I won't read, 99% of the time I don't get the job. Yeah. When I say offer only, yeah. look at my reel. There's stuff on my reel that's better than anything I'm going to do in my living room on camera for you, which is the way it is now. Yeah. Uh, but I never get it. It's sort of like, I guess, no, I guess. It, and, and chances are, if you'd gone to the trouble, you not only wouldn't have gotten it, you'd have gone down a notch or two in their eyes because I agree. you were willing to go to that trouble. I agree. I just figure I'm just planting seeds for the next time I might be right for something they're doing and I'm not going to read. So, yeah, you know. you, you've got to keep your stock up because it does, it, it is the law of diminishing returns because a, a lot of times they, <clears throat> at this level, they're going to go with somebody who is some kind of a, you know, they want to get some kind of shiny object in there yes. of a name value. And that's what they're going to go for because that makes their investors bless the project. And they can get an older, used to be movie star. Yeah, used to, to, to do star. it for the same amount of money that we do it for because yeah. there aren't that many jobs for people are in. And that's what they're, you know, banking on. And you're just there in case. So why should I go in and read? You know. Yeah. You know, yeah, and some people think, get it hey, anyway. this is what I do. I, I, I'm yeah. going to get a glass of water over here. Um, <laughs> I've never seen anybody less prepared for a Zoom interview than, than Xander. Look at him. I have water right next to me, Xander, in anticipation of being thirsty. I'm trying to get my Zoom invite, Paul. <laughs> I sent you the invite. I swear to God. Will, do you want to ask a question? Yeah, well, he only wanted to ask you questions. He didn't want to This has been very me. sort of in the weeds, character <laughs> actor, hanging on to the upper middle class rung of the ladder talk. So <laughs> and I am loving it. But okay. my, I should ask a question. Um, this is one for both of you. Uh, who was the first actor that you ever worked with that made you think, that's how I want to treat other actors? Uh worked with one of those <laughs> i i did i did work with one of those and i don't think this was everybody's experience but it was mine i worked with john ritter on the show hooperman years and years ago 
And he couldn't have been more collaborative and kinder and more like just another actor on the show. Instead of the stars of these crappy shows that <laughs> act like, you know, they're untouchable and you're in their way and they're, they, they, there's some sort of mythology of royalty in their heads yeah. because they're oh number God. one on this sad little call sheet, you know? Uh. Uh, and John Ritter was just like completely three-dimensional, wonderful, we were equals, and I, I loved it. So that yeah. was mine. Yeah, I think uh, if I think early on, um, especially for a sea of shows that happened after that, the guys that were on MASH were all freaking benches. Alan Alda, of course, but then the Harry Morgan, you know, he played such a gruff character. Yeah. You wouldn't know because my scene was with him. And and uh, for me, I, I had to play a character that was, that I had to find out that I'm not going to see again in the course of the scene, that it wasn't just temporary blindness and, and that it was something that I drank as a Marine there. And and uh, it had something in it that made me lose my eyesight. And, you know, and I, I, I think in this scene, I say, so am I, am I ever going to see again? And uh, a little pause and it's with Harry Morgan. And and, uh, and I say, you can tell me I, I'm a Marine. I can take it. And uh, he goes, maybe, maybe, kid. And, and I go, maybe. And then I have to cry on cue. And, and I, you know, it was one of those things where it just was, it was sparsely written. And it reminded me of a play I'd just done in New York where I, I had the cry on cue. And it was beautifully written by this incredible Southern novelist. And I would, it would it very, rarely did I that I have to rely on technique it just would happen wow. and um and this immediately tapped into that same river of emotion that was just right. and it was just it was already there. there his presence but the director was this hotshot that wanted to set this up and tie this relatively short vignette into a sequence of other vignettes with a fancy camera move for his reel oh. right so he could get movies right. or something so, and yeah. oblivious to the fact that wait, you, you want an actor to cry on cue in the scene, <laughs> have it be real. Yeah. Um, boom, like bang, no waiting around, just like bang. And the first uh, in this complicated dolly shot that included these other scenes, uh, I, I didn't know from holding back because it was like there was an audience and right. I, I was straight from the theater. And so the first four a rehearsal of the camera oh. i i got i it just was happening it happened yeah. and, and i got a round of applause from the crew yeah so that's, how, that's how beautiful that that crew right. was. It just tells you incredibly right beautiful. yeah right and yeah. then and then that kind of continued when they started rolling uh and she, doing actual shots you know the director never says hey you just 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 mark it right now because we we got to work out this is a tricky camera move and i don't want to fuck you up so save it none of that just like well i don't know what's happening it's like this so I, all i've done is the incredible mommy dearest and the incredible hulk this is my third <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so i don't know from this shit and of course and 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 uh they keep doing take after take and I, I got so like four takes in a row three three first three four maybe five I'm crying it's still happening but I'm like I gotta somehow get rid of it yeah <laughs> before they set up 
and go again. And and Harry Morgan just leans in and he goes, You're doing great, kid. It's their fuck up, not yours. Just <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing, kid. It's fucking great. Oh. And like like, you know, of course they oh. didn't they, they didn't we did they didn't get one until take eight. And you know, young as I was, eight times in a row was still a bit much. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was already had tears in my eyes at the beginning of the scene and nothing. I had to sort of rely on technique. Yeah. And of course, that's still airing 45 years later or 40 years later, whatever the hell it is. God, yes. But I wish I could Harry see Morgan it. would always be in my heart as a guy that just, and you know, yeah. some of the really great guys that were really, you know, the lifers to the ones that, got it and they never got jaded and maybe they never yeah. were the big marquee but they were there and they were sort of tough guys you know they were sort yeah. of tough they were they they you know they they had all their battle scars you know yeah although again it's not a battle what we're doing is very easy yeah playing it's not a, not a war but you know emotionally i think the the i think the real job of an actor besides especially when you're coming up preparing auditions and, and turning them into real performances, which is really the work is not going insane, not hating yourself, not letting the possibility, not letting failure beat you and not letting no's define you. It's very, it's a, it's a psychic. It's a, it's a, it's a, an emotional minefield. That's what, that's what it is. And you have to not, you have to step on the mine and just keep walking because otherwise you're not going to, you're not going to, it's not going to happen. You're going to quit. And there are those guys like, you know, when Will asked that question, the different people came to my mind, like, you know, Ed Harris is a guy who's somebody that you want to be, you know, I did a couple of things with him when I was around 30 and, and I, we're, we're friends still. And, and uh, he left a real impression on me because he's, he was so much like a, a team captain and mm -hmm. or if you'd been in the military he was your officer and he was going to have your back and he was going to have the, the movies back and he was going to have mm. all the you know and we were i mean we were in nicaragua while war was going on wow when we were shooting the first thing we did together and wow. so it really was like that and there was a guy yeah. um a kid that is it billy mcnamara do you know Billy McNamara? Yeah. William McNamara? Yeah. Yeah. He's a great actor. And he's an acting teacher. And it was the first time he was a kid. And it was the first time he'd ever been out of the country. And mm. wow, was he out of the country. And he was playing Ed's younger brother. And he was, some of us got amoebic dysentery while we we're down there. And that's not a pretty thing. Mm -mm. And um, really, it, you're just exploding sorry billy if i'm outing you on Jesus. this but I, i'm about I, to have lunch so well you you'll lose it if i tell you uh any of them anymore <laughs> it's just imagine a rocking motion in a very small bathroom from your <laughs> um, thank you <laughs> and, and and then a delirium and billy thought he was dying he was just tripping he just was oh. convinced you know and he's going to die and his parents were never going to see him again he was you know it's like he was oh. heat oppressed and, right. and having visions. And I'll just never forget because some of us didn't know what to do, but just Ed just knew how to come in and, and deal. And he really? just took care of him. And just, it was like, he's that kind of guy. 
and and I also remember like when I when I saw Apollo thirteen with Ed, you know, like he'd have these little things, and that were great things to learn as an actor. Like, never let him make you tell a lie. Mm. And and then like I remember one time when he took a prop that wasn't on, on Walker. He had they'd made they'd sewn a beautiful lace wig for him to look more like William Walker in the 1850s. Nobody knows who he was. So he, and he knew that, so he didn't give a shit. And in the middle of the, the, the first sort of speech he had to give to the people, um, some hair person came up and just wanted to tweak the wig a little bit. And he went, no, grabs it off his head, throws it on the ground, and jumps on it five times. Fuck, fuck, fuck that, fuck that wig. And he, and he, and he just kicked it out. And so the first shot, oh, we're gonna go without the wig. Nice. <laughs> yeah, right. And, yeah. and there was one time some fancy watch prop that, that that had been made for him, that, and something just kept fucking up, and it was gonna fuck. And he just took the watch and he threw it against the wall, and it was already established. It's like, and then I, I was standing there, just never let him make you tell a lie. And I go, yeah, but if I did that, they were fucking fire me and blackwall me. I would never exactly <laughs> ever. I, I will say, I played golf with him once. Okay, yeah. and it was just we just got hooked up together. Yeah, because I play a lot of golf, and I was like, "Oh my god, Ed Harris, Ed Harris, oh shit, Ed Harris, Ed Harris." And this guy, when he hit a bad shot, he would go like this. He'd go, (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) and I thought his head was going to explode. And I felt the whole round like I had to take care of him. I didn't, but I felt the need to go. I wasn't so bad. Yeah, you're still in bounds. You're over. No, it's okay. Don't worry. It's okay, but he is intense. That guy, oh, he, he is. is intense. But he was really <laughs> nice. I thought, oh shit, this guy, he's gonna, he's gonna kick, kick my ass before we finish eighteen holes. I'm just, you know, I'm gonna be collateral damage here if he doesn't play well. But it wasn't like that at all. He was actually just very intense. He's intense, but then, but then, even when he's like, he's he's the most casual, fun, relaxed guy, and everything else, drinking a beer, but. But that you can just feel it because I think he's so fit and everything else. And so you just feel that the intensity is just brewing under yeah, the Yeah, I know. <laughs> you can see why he's worked with him. Did you see him in that thing recently, the Maggie Gyllenhaal? I haven't seen that yet. No. Oh, yeah. No, I'm working, uh, Sandra. I don't really have time. I'm very, very busy. <laughs> no, I have almost well, every day off. Actually, he's so Ed, he's so Ed in that. It's like is he? so he's so it looks dresses like everything it's just like watching him there um but anyway uh there the, i want to just give do you have like another number one on the call sheet that you just thought was exemplar in taking care of the actors because i gotta say um andy lincoln andrew lincoln on on the walking dead is i've never seen anything like it just somebody who who was just tuned into everybody and helped the mm. helped the production he threw down 150% and 100 degree high humidity in Atlanta, outside of, but um, anybody knew, like a kid that just had a, a line or something like that. He came over, had his arm around him, it's like in the days before COVID, and just welcomed him in. And How great. He just understood that, that we're all pulling on the same end of the rope. Instead of so many of these 
delusional megalomaniacal yes. number ones that you referred to before more than more than half royalty <laughs> realm in their head yeah. and they think it's me against the world and then yeah. i'll win they're trying to uh, have it all for me they're trying to betray me uh oh. <laughs> and and i gotta tell you something and again will this is not complaining this is you know this is i understand but this is telling secrets Yes, oh, wow. you're telling this. I'm saying the quiet part out loud. And, uh, <laughs> but when you're working, and I get it, I have a trailer, it's air conditioned. If I want something, I ask for it, it gets, it comes to me. I get it. But if you're number one and you're working every day, okay, and you're working 12, 13, 14 hours a day, by Thursday, you're exhausted. You're in Atlanta, the humidity is 90%. You're sweating, you're hot, you're tired. It puts you in a very bad mood. You get, it, it, you get short-tempered You because people are constantly asking, we need you here, we need you there, we need you this. You wanna sit down for a second? No, we need you this, we gotta wire you, we gotta change the battery of this, we gotta do that. For a guy like Andrew Lincoln or anybody to keep it together and not go, come on, leave me alone, give me five seconds. Get, you know, give yes, me a minute. Unbelievable. Yeah. It, it, it's it, unbelievable. And I couldn't do it. I really couldn't. Because you're tired, you're worn down, you know, you're not sleeping a lot, and you're, you know, your legs hurt. You've been on your feet for 13 hours. Yeah, I get cranky. Yeah, I do too. And it's sad. I I, I have I try not to I be don't deserve to get cranky. Get people cranky. won't let me get yeah. people will just say, Well, good, all right, let's bring in Stephen Tobolowski, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, <laughs> that's okay. I I get it. Oh, he's you know? on my next episode. So. Oh, is he? Yes. Well, tell him I said hello. <laughs> uh, and yeah, okay. Well, we could put him in right here, and uh, yeah, we can, we can be talking to Andrew. But it's true. So for somebody who can do that, that is because you're a genuinely good, together, evolved. kind person. You can't take it because you get too cranky. Yeah. No, and it's it's so it's it's so that's why there's so many that err on the other side. Yes, uh, uh, you know because they can, and it and it and you know th there's a weird thing about fame that I think you have to be really grounded uh, in, a, in a really strong psychological solid place from your upbringing to uh, weather fame and not have it absolutely uh, not have it. I, I tell a story sometimes it dawned on me at a certain point because you work with enough of these people and and uh, it, 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 re it, it seems to reiterate infantilism on a certain level <laughs> when you're a baby if you shit they fucking clean that thing up yeah it make it smell good yeah. nice put a nice and, new and, one on and every and day go, if you're you an asshole little you'll go chair, and you see something you don't like, pick it up, throw it down. Yep. Put it back up. Go, oh, that's, it okay. that's okay. No, no problem. That's fine. You go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm probably, yeah. no, 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 no. So you think, oh, I guess, I, I guess I'm okay because everybody's always telling you, no worries, no worries. But think yeah, when you're okay. a baby, you know, you had kids. There's that point when, you know, in the, they will, first of all, they will die if you don't do all that shit for them. If you don't pat them on the back, it's going to drive you crazy. If you don't pat them on the back every time they cry and let them right. know and burp them or find out what the problem is and right. solve it for them. Yeah. And then make them happy, happy, happy. And, yeah. uh, and you know, that's just, 
the way it works. So they come in, we, we all come into the world just thinking everything is going to just dance around us <laughs> and be the whirling dervish of our needs being fulfilled. Yeah. And, and we don't even have to get off our ass. We can be in a stroller going down the sidewalk and people are going to go, oh. <laughs> and and but then you get knocked off that throne and it you yeah. fall and you hit hard and this is another sibling and there's other kids in school and like yeah. they all, they're all deluded they think they're the center of the universe don't they know that oh and then some great injustice is tucked into people's hearts and but in the back of the old lizard brain all it takes is a little bit of fame and suddenly it all back. are scurrying to put everything back on top and they're, they're cleaning up all your messes and they're patting you on the back. And when you go down the street, you don't have to do anything and people are going to go. Yep. And they, exactly. and it's and a one-to-one one correlation with infantilism. Uh, you know, it's, it's, so it's is it an old brain thing going, I always knew I was special. <laughs> it's interesting. It's I, I, time. I was doing that, this role. Uh, a movie with a big star and we were in Toronto and we were in the owner's box at a Toronto Blue Jays game because I was with him <laughs> and it said there signs everywhere no smoking no smoking no smoking no one is smoking he lights up a cigarette and I say to him who well, I will Special. not name oh, it yeah. says it says you're not supposed to smoke in here he goes Kurt I haven't heard the word no in 25 years <laughs> And that's, you know, yeah. I don't know how yeah. we got off on this, but it really feels good to talk about it. <laughs> it's, you know, I have never, I always, in, in stuff like this, I always try and be the big person and the nice. I have never been so petty in my entire life in an interview as I am right now. And I, I blame you, Zan. I, I am so you. glad I'm bringing out the petty. I think of it. I think not of it as I obsess on, but but, it, but since you bring it up, and since we bring it up, these are things that happen. It's just the truth. Yeah, and and you know the the, the people that treat other people nicely, and you know it's just like for me, like we did, we we met before for years at auditions, and we were always oh, nice yeah. to each other. Yes, and we remember like I can remember, especially when whenever it was like reading for a psycho, there'd be the guys that'd be like. <laughs> I know. I throw you out, you know, and and yeah. then there's the guys that go, oh, dude, man, good luck with that. Good luck and have fun in there because you know they they seem like nice people and right. I think I think you'd be great for this, you know, like sometimes. And then the next one you go, you know what? This is yours. You're fucking. This yeah. is has you all over it. And there is enough sure. work to go around, you know. I yeah. I have always believed there's an. I don't have to. Other people don't have to fail. I just have to. There's enough work to go around for people who can do it. You know, it used to be that way. You know, there's a there's a great so somebody was saying in a completely different context in, in relationship to uh, something we're undertaking here. That who has a background in banking, and he said, you know, my parents weren't the weren't the perfect parents by any means, and you know, my father was a banker, but he taught me something that I just I think about in relation to almost everything, which is win win. You don't have somebody doesn't have to lose for you to win. Correct. We can all win. And that sort of ties into that idea of we're all pulling on the same end of the rope as human beings. Yep. yep. The more we pull together, the more fun it is and the better it turns out for everybody. And, and, and I mean, the more bad negative feelings you have, oh, it doesn't eat at you. It just eats, it eats you up, you know? 
it eats me up when I have these, I have a, like a two by four list of people that are on that list that I want to hit with the two by four, but <laughs> it, it's getting smaller and smaller because it did, it only hurt me. It only hurts me to have those feelings all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, very basic sort of but Zen. I, I, literally we're at the age where I think we can, you know, be honest and say, you know, I don't think it's petty grievance. It's just, it's, it's, it's having a bit of fun in an interview with Will, who we've had interviews with before. Yes we can tell like we can have make a confession about the things that everybody's all, also so very cautious not to step on yes 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 <laughs> until yeah. they become a big star and then they're they go out of their way to step on people's toes. yeah yeah and just like you said you know i think that sort of the being the center of the world when you're young i have a feeling that we're all sort of subconsciously we all want to get back to that and i yeah. think that that when that when you actually have the sort of by proxy that ability, it's it's very attractive fruit. You know, you want to you want to pick it and you want to eat it because we all miss it. We all miss that when we well, were. I think, that, I think it's that part of the brain, and there's a sort of innate animal, the reptilian nostalgia for that period in our evolution when everything was taken care of for us. Yeah, but because it's we don't have to do anything, and yet. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's one of the things that I think ego is something that lies in wait. And it's like a, a, a dragon that's, you have to keep caged because of it, the minute mm -hmm. you do too much, the minute it becomes too powerful, it can destroy things. And, uh, and do, does your wife, don't you have, I bet you do have a wife who will say to you, Xander, come on now. You're bring not, it yeah, bring, bring it, it down. Don't be an asshole. Don't be a dick. Because yeah, my wife you know, does that to me as, on an hour. Might <laughs> you know, as well, to be fair. Yeah. As, as, hey, as by the way, we do that talking too much, other. Will. Will, oh, don't interrupt so yeah, much. Yeah, <laughs> hell. Who's the heck? Will, oh, ask way, another tell question. Me, uh, tell, me, tell me when it's noon, because I actually have a doctor's appointment. I am watching. I'm keeping an eye out. Okay. I do actually one that I think you guys, I know you both work with him, so I'm sure you both have some story or other. Uh, working with Harold Ramos. Oh, well, you did. And I, well, God rest his soul, but I'll go first and then you, uh, you go. Uh, I was selling real estate. I've sold real estate in LA for nine years. And I'm going to start crying if I, uh, and I don't want to actually. Um, but it will show my vulnerable side if I do. Uh, yeah, take your glasses off. I want to see the real <laughs> <laughs> Uh And I was doing theater all the time and just, you know, nine years, I, but, you know, I was still doing it. I loved it. I actually loved doing theater more than anything else I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was my happiest time, actually, doing theater and selling real estate. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I did a play called Kvetch that Stephen Burkhoff wrote and directed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... I was the lead in it, and it was, for Equity Waiver Theater, a phenomenon in L.A. I mean, Johnny Carson came to see it. Jack Nicholson came to see it. And Harold Ramis's ex-wife came to see it and said, you've got to go see this show. And he came to see the show and recommended me to Ivan Reitman for Ghostbusters 2. And 
I went in and read, the part was written out and Harold wrote a part for me. The mayor, the, you know, the mayor's assistant, he said, and he goes, Kurt should do this. And he pushed for me to do it. And six months later, I was out of real estate and a full-time actor. And, and it was and never as happy point. again. No, <laughs> exactly. I was never happy again. Uh, and, but, and Harold and I remained friends uh, until, you know, until I couldn't see him anymore. He was in Chicago and he was not, not doing well. And uh, I'm yeah. still to this day friends with his wife, Erica. And she's great, isn't she? She's, she's great. So cool. And he, uh, to me, Harold was an angel on this earth. He really yeah. was. He was delightful, super smart, and very real and very human. And uh, yeah. I, I loved him. And I, I really uh, still feel the tragedy of his passing. So that's my Harold Ramis story. Yeah, no, I can't touch. I just, I got so lucky that I got to work with him on his last movie. And yeah, was, that was his last movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh. And the year one, and, and uh, you know, but I, everything you said, yeah, I just didn't have as long a period of time to. Yeah to have that but i felt like i had a friend for life when i became friends with him and and you did you did and yeah you know he was, a, he was a buddhist and he just had a buddha like vibe about him i remember that when i, I arrived on set in shreveport louisiana outside of shreveport in this place where they had built uh the realm of of Sodom and, <laughs> and uh and there were camels and there were monkeys and there were just, it just the, the crazy you know ruins brought back to life and uh incredible art department on that and jack black and michael sarah were doing a scene and i was watching and i'm, I'm in the monitor and he's why oh, you're here good i'm so glad you're here and uh and i'm, I'm watching it yeah you won't recognize any of this dialogue they're improvised. I'm not going to use any of this, but <laughs> he said, but it's it's endorphins are good for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah. you know, raining on their parade. Uh, <laughs> he knew how to let people just sort of be and be happy and and be in there. He did in their happy place. And and, and he and, was very laid back, you know, really. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, very, oh my God, so sweet. And uh, yeah, it's so great that he took, took you, it took, you know, it, I, it, I think I was jealous. I heard about Kvetch. I was a fan of Burkhoff who I'd seen do something. And uh, I, I, I'd seen a, wild man. a friend of mine uh, did his, Ebby Rose Smith, I don't know if you knew Ebby, did Metamorphosis. Oh no, point, yeah. And uh, that he had directed and, and and I just remember like that like when I while I was doing sh shitty TV in the eighties, um, Kvetch was what I wanted to be doing, and, and I yeah. trained from New York all the way back and everything, and I suddenly I wasn't, you know, and and uh, and I was like, oh no, I'm it's going to make me too like not jealous, but just like oh, it's going to make me crazy. No, I understand. But I'm not I'm doing that, and I'm certain things I can't. Up, but that was yet. you, and I didn't see it. Oh well. Believe me, I'll do it for you anytime. I yeah, do it for me. Because it, it <laughs> did it have stylized physicality? Oh, we Very. froze. We would freeze and one person would speak their inner life as 
as the other people were frozen, you know, like I, my, everybody would freeze and I'd go, I fucking hate my mother-in-law. You fucking, I would just go up to her and just go crazy. But she never, you know, and then we would, they would come back to life and stuff. Yeah. Just Did typical you, work off, but it you ran. Know I, you know what I saw recently, um, which I'd never seen because I, I, I was snotty and I thought Ryan O'Neill was cheesy. And uh, so I never saw Barry Lyndon. Oh, yeah. Oh. We watched, my wife and I watched that the other night. Over the holiday, we just saw one masterpiece after the next on Criterion on, on the big screen. And we're just like, mm-hmm. this is what life is about. The, this <laughs> level of filmmaking. I know. Ryan Barry Lyndon is not a great movie. But I mean, I don't like Ryan O'Neill in it at all. I, I, <laughs> it's hard. It was hard, but I, I forgave. It's a beautiful movie. The masterfulness of everything else. Yes. But Stephen Burkoff, a young Stephen Burkoff. Hansel. Do you remember him in that? No. No, I didn't know he was in it. it the movie, it got it, it ages well. Everything it? about it ages well. Even Ryan O'Neill's performance has aged well. Really? I could not have watched it back then. And this time it was like, well, I can imagine he's, that's sort of an it, Irish-ish accent. I'll go with that. And <laughs> <laughs> the hair. And, oh, look. And, and uh, oh, Marissa Barron's and so uh, other. Oh, my God. But uh, just every frame of it, it's still. Oh, my God. It's, it's, a, still it's a masterpiece of filmmaking. It really is. Do you miss, Will, as a cinephile, do you miss or, or feel the difference between digital and celluloid? Absolutely. No, I, I extremely, I just missed the, the theater going experience, period. Well, yeah. But the theater. But yes, I understand what you mean. The, the, the well, but going to the theater, I thought you meant you know, in the theater, but yeah, the, just the theater going experience, but the sumptuousness of 35 millimeter. Yeah, no, I definitely, I missed that as well. We've got one art house theater here in, in the Norfolk, Virginia Beach area, and they still do screenings here and there. Of, but I mean, the, the difference between film and digital. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm saying. They do yeah. still do the occasional 35 millimeter prints there at this art house theater. I feel the difference. I, I feel oh. there's a saturation and, and, and aliveness in it. And it, there's something that feels so a little bit just cold to me. I, I, it's not an original observation. Do you feel it, Kurt, or you don't care? Oh, I do care. My, my wife and I last week went to see the remastered Godfather movie. Oh, yeah. In a theater. And the first thing I said when we came out was, I said, see, you may not, she's younger than me. Uh, my wife is 19. Uh, she, uh, no, she's not, but she is a little younger than me. And I said, you know, you, there's the difference between 35 millimeter and digital. Look at how incredible the lighting, the background, the, the fabric of the shop, the, the, the dimensions, the subtlety, you can't do that with, with high def. That's only, that's only with film. And it, yeah. it, was a, it was a really, I mean, I recommend everybody see that movie anyway, but it was a real a market, yes. like a slap in the face of what we don't have anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have that quality of filmmaking in general. Uh, no. I don't even know if we have people who can light it anymore. Yeah, no, that's you know? right. I mean, the, the great cinematographer, I, I, I felt like some part of me was like, 
early on, like I, I, I wanted to work on big movies and smaller roles more than small movies and bigger roles, just because I wanted to work with those great cinema. Sure. Yeah. And watch how they lit and just watching something just sort of come yep. to life. And then you'd walk into that atmosphere and the contrast between when you think about it, like 80s TV shows and the lighting, you'd come <laughs> in and like, clang, you'd sort of clang your head. And a lot of those things were shot on video, you know? I mean, it was oh, just, yeah. oh my God, it was like, oh, <laughs> terrible. But then you'd do a movie with one of these guys DPing and it was just like, I like being in. And here. the second you walk on into that lighting and everything, Whatever you thought you were going to do or thought about, it can change in a second because all of a sudden you're really there with the way they light it. You're really there, yeah. and, and it can change everything. Did uh, did you guys ever hear? Did did you? Uh, oh, Robert, who was uh, you know in in Quentin Tarantino's movie, The Foxy Brown? Now this is my senile moment. Oh, Forster. Forster. Um, <laughs> Did you ever work with him, Kurt? Um, I, I, I did. I worked in the same movie as him and <laughs> met him and talked to him. And he gave me, as a gift, he gave everybody a letter opener. Yeah. A stainless steel letter opener. He called it I a gadget. Still... He said, have I gotten you a gadget yet? Yeah, hang on a sec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that was his... his uh, but what a nice man, Jesus. Never wore makeup, guy. said no, no yeah. makeup, nope. Yeah. I interviewed him a few years ago, back when they released uh, Jackie Brown on Blu-ray for the first time, and he was so nice, so humble. Just yeah. happy, to be, happy to be working. Hey, Will, did he tell you the story of his first acting job? Probably, although it's been a while since I did that interview, so. Uh, he, he tells a pretty great story about working with Marlon Brando, because that, that was the first job and, and and how unpleasant Marlon Brando could be to everybody. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, how he would deliberately just fuck with the producers just because he could. Yeah. Some, uh, but, and, and you know, and, and Forrester said, I wouldn't trade anything I have for what he had because, you know what, it's better to just be a better, the win-win thing, you yeah. know. And, uh, yeah. but he talked about like, you know, he was such a, a good looking guy and, uh, John Houston had cast him in this thing with Elizabeth Taylor and Marlon Brando. I forget the name of General or something. Portia's uh, Men's Eyes or something? No. Well, yeah, I forget, but it, it was not a great movie, but it was a big deal to be opposite, uh, to be the, the young male lead in a movie with Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor at the height of their fame yeah. and John Houston directing. And, and he's panicking because in the beginning, uh, Mr. Houston told me he's going to give me these acting classes. And so I'm chasing them to, uh, I'm out of Albany and I'm coming up to, then I hear he's in LA. So I go to LA and I go, Mr. Mr. Houston, Mr. Houston, are we going to, you, you were going to give me those acting classes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and he'd say, he'd turn to me, he'd say, not yet, Bobby. Not oh my God. <laughs> and then get him down in, in, in New York and he'd be there. Mr. Houston, you said you were going to give me these acting classes. I, I feel like I, he goes, not yet, Bobby, not yet. <laughs> and, and they cut to, they're in Italy, they're on set, and it's the day he's going to start working and he still hasn't gotten his acting classes. 
And he, Marlon Brando's there, and there's Elizabeth Taylor's in her trailer, and he's like freaking bad, sweating bullets. And, <laughs> and, and, and he goes, Now, Bobby. <laughs> and, and they get this huge shot set up, and he, he just has them look through the lens and look through the camera. Well, you want to, we, we call this the viewfinder. We want to look in there for a second, Bobby. Tell me what you see. Uh, okay, Mr. Houston, I see uh, there's a, there's some little pup tents down the way, and there's some some little campfires and smoke coming up, and then uh, I see these describing some horses. And, um, okay, Bobby, now do you see that black frame around all of that in there? Uh, through there, you can see this. Oh yeah, yeah, Mr. Houston, I see, I see that frame there. Yeah. He goes, so Bobby, you just have to ask yourself, what needs to be there? And that's a long way to come back around to what you were talking about. Whatever you thought coming into when you get into one of those atmospheres with, with a master, where they've set it all up. This is the frame. This is Absolutely. the visual. This, just let the atmosphere tell you what to do. Let, Correct. Let the, you fill that screen and make that, yep. not you tell the story in that frame. And a, a lot of times actors aren't without a theater background. You know, without like a Burkhoff, you know, right? And some people like that that train you to see this as a visual medium. Mm -hmm. They're inside their head with their acting classes, and they're they're this is my line, and this is how I'm going to right. my line, and and they forget that this is this is a visual medium, and it's an atmospheric medium, and that it's how do I fill that? How do I let that face space fill? Most in? of the time, I'm trying to get out of the way of my lines. Honestly, you know, just let him just get out of the way. Let let the whole thing talk, not just me. Yeah, yeah. On that note, it's, it's twelve. By it, the way, I know, and I have, I do have a. That's doctor. a good one, Kurt. It's quotable. Huh? That's quotable. Thank you. I love you, Xander. I, I love really you, like Kurt. you, Will. Uh, you know. and, and will you be, I'm going to be back and forth in LA until August. You're going to be back there at some point. Yeah, there, I'm, I'm coming back in May. So. Oh, good. Call me. We'll I'll, have I'll you see you in May. Okay. Yeah. Will? Thanks, Will. Always a Thank pleasure. you very much. And this has actually been great. It's, I'm, I may just title it, Will Listens to Two Guys Talk. And that's fine. Yeah. And, and Or two guys. <laughs> a couple of questions. Two guys committing career suicide. <laughs> Either way. No, it, it's too late for that. I think that's it is. They can't do anything to us now. We're so. in the clear now. Just keep running. Just keep running. That's keep already running. done. <laughs> Hey, right, boys. I'll look at the doctors. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. Bye. Yeah. Bye.